As a matter of fact, I'm going to just go home, let y'all read, and we just leave. <laughs> but I, I want to I share with you how, how, how critically important it is for us as believers to understand that we have power and authority in this earth realm. That we're not some weakling Christians who have to bow down to the attack of the enemies. We're not some believers who have to go, walk through this Christian life scared and afraid of what the devil is going to throw at us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit abiding on the inside of us and that Holy Spirit, amen, gives us the power to impact our culture and to impact our communities. Can I get a witness? So Ephesians, the third chapter, verse number 20, and we'll start out reading from the King James version of the scripture. It says, now unto him that is able. Can you all read with me? Let's read together. It says what? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Uh, from the New Living Translation, that, that same text reads this way. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I want to stop right there. Who accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Talking about impact. The thing I want us to recognize as we begin to get into this text, we know that the Apostle Paul is the writer, correct? Uh, he's the writer of this text. He's writing to the church and the saints at Ephesus. And in this passage that we were taking this text from, it's the second of two prayers that were recorded in Ephesians. The first one was over in Ephesians, the first chapter, verses 15 through 23. And in that first prayer, the emphasis is on enlightenment. Everybody say enlightenment. In other words, he's emphasizing us knowing, knowing. But in this prayer, the second prayer, the emphasis is on enablement or can I put it this way, on empowerment. Everybody say empowerment. And, and, and so as we look at this text, it's not so much a matter of knowing as a believer, but it's a matter of being. You can know something, but not become something. Are you listening to me today? It's not a matter of just knowing as much as it is a matter of being. Amen. Uh, it's, it's, it's a matter of us laying our hands on what God has for us and by faith making it a vital part of our lives. Paul is saying here, I want, I want you to get your hands on your spiritual wealth. I want you to realize how vast it is, and I want you to start to use it. When I say your spiritual wealth, in other words, God has a repertoire of, of spiritual power and giftedness that he has placed on the inside of us. And so many times as believers, we are walking and we are living beneath our privileges. Are y'all listening to me today? So many times as believers, we, we give ground to the enemy as he seeks to attack us. We give ground, amen, to demonic spirits when we, as a born again by the believers, have the supernatural power of God living on the inside of us so much so that we can impact our surrounding. We can impact our culture. But, but, but we have to not only know that, we have to become 
amen, that being, being that vessel that God can utilize. So now, so when we look at this, you know, Paul, it's, it's worth noting that both of these prayers that we look at here, and we referenced the one in the first chapter, but we're looking at this one here in the third chapter. Uh, it's, 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 note, it's worth noting that both of these prayers, as well as other prison prayers that Paul had, he, had, he prayed in Philippians 1, 9 through 11. He prayed in Colossians 1, 9 through 12. Both of them deal with the spiritual condition of the inner man. Everybody say the inner man. How many of you know that all of us just... A lot of us today are dressed up in our pink, and that's great, and we are doing that in honor of Breast Cancer, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And most of the times when we come to church, we look good on the outside. Is that right? How many of y'all uh, look, look a little bit better at church than you do washing your car? Let me see your hand. How many of you look a, bit, look, a bit, look a little bit better at church than you do when you are cleaning your house? How many of you look a little bit better at church? Come on now, some of y'all, when you clean your house, you got, what, what, what do you have on? Yeah, you just throw something on, right? And I don't tell you, some, some of you look, a lot of, us, a lot of us look a little bit better at church than we do in the grocery store. Is that right? Come on, I've seen some of y'all in the grocery store now. Come on. Remember I told you, bag on the head. Rollers. EBC members, I don't want to catch you up in Kroger's with that bag on your head and rollers in your hair. I believe that bag is designed for at home, right? Sisters in the house. And brothers, if you're still wearing a jerry curl, don't go out with that jerry curl bag on your head either. Oh, that's, that's Andre, that's going back to the 80s, isn't it? How many of y'all remember when guys would go out in public with a jerry curl bag on their head. Anybody? How, first, how many of y'all had a curl? Let me see. Don't be ashamed. Come on. You've moved past the curl now. But guys, hear me carefully. I'm, I'm, I'm picking what you do. Don't get mad at me because you have a picture with a curl, okay? My wife, she's so beautiful, she used to have a jerry curl. When I met her, is that right? She said, you better be quiet. But guys, hear me carefully. What about Paul, Paul, Paul is here. He's, he's, he wants to deal with the spiritual condition of the inner man and not just the material needs of the body. Certainly, it's not wrong to pray for physical and material needs, but the emphasis in these petitions is on the spiritual. Everybody say spiritual. Paul knew that if the inner man is what ought to be... Uh, it, it, Paul knew that if the inner man is what it ought to be, the outer man will be taken care of in due time. See, we got to realize that salvation has always been and always will be an inside-out process. In other words, it's, it's, it's not, listen, we talk about the things that we should do as a believer. But before we get into the to-do list, amen, we got to get into the, 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 the spirituality of our inward man. If our inner man is not right, then ultimately our outward man will not be right. Salvation is an inside-out job, amen? Work out your soul's salvation with fear and trembling. The thing that's on the inside has to become evident and manifested on the outside so that people who we interact with on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, can see that there is something different on the inside of us. Can I get a witness? 
So Paul is dealing with the inner man. Paul knew that the inner man is what it ought to be, then the outer man will take care of itself in due time. And too many of our prayers, guys, focus only on the physical and the material needs and fail to address the the deeper needs of our hearts. We got to make sure that we deal with the inner man. If we're going to have impact, because all of us in here, child of God, have been called to have impact. I believe significant impact in this world in which we live in. Every last one of us in here have a circle of influence. You have people in your life who look to you, amen, for influence, who look to you uh, for how to do a certain thing, who look for you, amen, to have impact on their lives. So, so as we get into this, go, go back up with me, if you will, in this third chapter. Let's go back to verse number 14 and 15 of this, of this same chapter. Verse number 14 and 15. This is really, this 14 and 15 is kind of like the invocation of this text, of this prayer. The first thing that draws our attention in this passage is Paul's posture. Look at Ephesians 3, verse number 14. Are y'all there with me? Come on, let's read it together. The text says what? When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his, his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with what? Inner strength, guess what? Through his spirit. Let's read it one more time. Paul is praying to the church at Ephesus. He's praying for the saints at Ephesus. He's praying to God, amen, but he's writing this letter here to the church at Ephesus. He's telling them, he says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will do what? Empower you with inner strength through his what? Through his spirit, through his spirit. Paul's prayer was addressed to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he's praying to the Father. He's, he's praying that, that, that he will deal with and empower these saints at Ephesus in their inner man. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. It's critically important that we as a body of believers, when we come into the house of the Lord, we come to get our inner man, amen, uh, uh, well, I won't say pumped up, but to, to, to get our inner man strengthened. Because there's so much stuff that we face in life Amen. That deals with our outer man. And we got to realize we got to attack it from the inside out. Everybody say inside out. Inside out is, is, is very is, is very important because what we have to realize is that that if we don't have a transformation on the inside, anything that we do that's driven from outside. In other words, I'm just going to dis my outside man, but never deal with my heart. Then then I, I, it won't it won't last very long. Y'all know it won't last very long. I give y'all this example all the time. You know, when it comes to, what, when it comes to, uh, to losing weight, uh, one of the things that, that's very clear and very evident is that we have, to, we have to have a change of focus on the inside and how we view food, food, food right? Right? As a matter of fact, one of the things that, that, that medical physicians will do whenever they perform a, a, a surgery to, to maybe, uh, you know, shrink the stomach or to put a band around the stomach is they, they require people who are going to get that surgery to go through a course to learn how to transform the way they think about food. Is that correct? Am I right about that? Come on, any nurses in the house? 
Here's why they do that. They know and they understand very clearly that if you just do it, amen, and don't have an inward change, before long, you will go back to your old habits and that band will begin to get stretched because you didn't change the way you look at food. You still said, I want my pork chops. Fried. Come on. I want my chicken. Not grilled, but what? And prefer preferably some Southern classic. Or how many of y'all are some Popeye folks? How many of y'all are Popeye folks? How many of y'all are church's chicken folks? I mean, that's, that's going. Church's Italian, yeah. How many of y'all grandma's kitchen folks? See, guys, guys, listen, if you don't change the way you think internally, then those, those habits that you develop in the, in the temporary period will, will cease to be and you'll go back to looking at food or looking at anything else the old way. Can I get a witness? There's a difference, guys, in not chasing women because you honor your covenant with God and that you are honoring your covenant with your wife versus not chasing women because you're scared she's going to get caught. Yeah, let me talk to you brothers up in here. There is a difference in not doing something because you're afraid you're going to get caught versus doing something because God has transformed you from the inside out so that you're no longer a player player. Player spelled P-L-A-Y-A, not... You're no longer, uh, uh, you're no longer that guy who pursues anything that looks curvaceous and vivacious. You're no longer that guy that's looking for the brick house, 36, 24, 36. That's what she's working with. You, you, you're not that guy. I thought I'd throw it in parenthetically. Some of you old school Commodores folks understand that, right? You're not pursuing that because you're, you, you, you're just not pursuing it because you're afraid you're going to get caught, but you're not pursuing that because there's been a transformation on the inside. Even when a temptation comes, you know how to run and put your boundaries up because something has changed on the inside. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's dealing with the inner man. Everybody say inner man. Because ultimately, guys, if we're going to have impact, it has to start with our inner man. He says, I prayed that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through what? His spirit, through his spirit. Paul's prayer was addressed to the father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Now in the Bible, guys, prayer is addressed to the father through the son and in the spirit. And repeat that again. In the Bible, prayer is addressed to whom? The father. Through whom? And in the what? Spirit. Go there right quick. Notice what Jesus taught when he was here on earth with his disciples. Go to John the 14th chapter with me right quick. John 14, verse 12 through 14. St. John, the 14th chapter, verses 12 through 14. It's critically important that we learn how to pray right if we're going to have impact. Notice what Jesus taught here in John the 14th chapter. Glory to God. John 14, verse number 12. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone 
who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Is that what he says? All right, next verse says, verse 13, let's read. You can ask for anything, what? In my name, and I will do it so that what? The Son can bring glory, what? To whom? He's bringing glory to whom? The Father. Look at the next verse. Verse 14 says what? Yes, ask me for anything, what? In my name, and I will do it. Let's go to the KJV in the very same passage of Scripture. He says in verse number 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified, in the Son. When you ask it, he says, in my name, I'm going to do it so that who can get the glory? The Father can get the glory. Now, if you will, let's take a look at John, the 16th chapter. Verse number 17 through 23, John, the 16th chapter. As he's teaching his disciples, he says, and he teaches the order of prayer. And when he leaves this earth, and he's seated on the right hand of the Father. How shall we do this? John, the 16th chapter, verse number 17. Are y'all there with me? Talking about impact. If we're going to have significant and, and life-changing impact in the world in which we live in, if God is designed for us to be people of impact, then my question to you, me, and everybody else is, why is it we're not seeing the type of impact that the early church had? Why is it we're not seeing uh, and why are we not being classified as a people who are turning the world upside down? Why is it when, when we do surveys after surveys, we find out that there are less and less, fewer and fewer people who are actually impacting or coming into the church circles today and, and are claiming to have had a born-again experience? Why is it that we, we, we have a church on every corner but have some of the worst neighborhoods in every city? I want to know why is it that we can have a church physically present, but it's not having impact in the community, in the culture. It's because we hadn't recognized, recognized that salvation is an inside-out process, and we hadn't recognized that, that our impact has to start where? On the inside. It's not, it's not enough to have a program. Okay, we'll get together and come up with a program. Programs are good in their place, but programs without power don't have any impact. Can I get a witness? Programs without power don't have impact. And we want to have some impact today. Look, look at what the text says in John, the 16th chapter. Y'all there with me? Let's read together. It says, what then said some of his disciples among themselves? What is this that he said unto us? A little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father. What's he talking about? They were a little perplexed and confused. How many of y'all know that the disciples were a an eclectic bunch of guys who Jesus pulled together who were not necessarily the best in the brightest. They were, they were ordinary men with all kinds of fallacies and, and, and all kinds of hang-ups, and, but Jesus called them. I shared this last week when we were preaching with Brother Bill. I said, you know, one of the things you got to realize is that those original 12 disciples, they were not theologians. They were, they were not what you would call the people who were 
picked out as, as, as the best and the brightest, but they were guys, ordinary guys, who Jesus said, come and follow me. And they were willing to follow him. What that tells me is, don't, don't think that God can't use you because maybe you hadn't done anything spectacular in this earth realm today. It doesn't matter, amen, where you are, where you came from. God can use you to impact this world for the cause of Christ when you learn how to connect to the power source. Now watch this, watch this. Look at the text. Look at, look at verse, number seven, uh, verse number 18. Let's go. It says what? Come on, let's read. They said, therefore, what is this that he said a little while? We cannot tell what he said. They were confused. Next verse, read together. It says what? Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and he said unto them, Do you inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verse 20 says what? Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. 21, let's go. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, come on, she remembereth no more the anguish. How many of y'all have had babies, ladies? How many of y'all have had children? Let's see your hands. When you have a child, come on, those birth pains, Nancy, are real, aren't they? Especially if you did not get a, a is it an epidural? Epidural? If you had natural childbirth, how many of y'all went natural? Okay, yes, some of y'all went natural, yes. My wife started out natural, but she ended up. We were going to go natural, and she said, give me something. Before it's too late, because you get to a certain point, they can't give you anything. So right before that cutoff time, she said, hit me with that shot. <laughs> but when you go natural, guys, there is pain involved. There's pain all along the process. You know, the birth, the birth pain, the baby's kicking and moving, that type of thing. But once that baby comes out, the joy of seeing life exude from your body overrides any pain that it took to get that child here. Can I get a witness? And that's what Jesus is saying right here. He says the woman when she's in travail has sorrow because her hour is coming, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. 22 and 23. Let's read it right quick. It says what? And you know therefore, and you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart shall rejoice and your joy, and your joy, no man take it from you. 23, let's read it right quick. He says, what? And now watch this. Now, he, now what he says is, he says, now, I'm going away. And they didn't quite understand it, even though he had told it to them before. They didn't quite understand what he was talking about because Jesus knew that his assignment was to go to the cross of Calvary. Jesus knew that in order to deliver mankind, he had to go to the cross. Is that right? Amen. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So he knew what his assignment was, but he's telling his disciples, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave you. A little while, I'm not, I'm not going to be here with you. But they were confused because after all, they were ordinary guys, not theologians. And they were trying to grasp this. They were trying to catch this. And so even Peter was one of the ones who told him, no, it ain't going to be so, Jesus. No, no. And that's when Jesus said, I rebuke you, Satan, because he knew his assignment was to go to the cross of Calvary. But watch this. He says, now in that day, what day is that? The day in which he is no longer with them physically. That's what he's saying. In that day, 
Watch what Jesus said. The master said, in that day when I'm no longer with you physically in the earth realm, ye shall ask me what? Y'all, did, did y'all read that? What did it say? In that day, ye shall what? Ask me nothing. So why are you praying to Jesus? Hello? Why are you saying, oh, Jesus? Jesus, I come to you. Why are we praying to Jesus? He says, in that day, what day is that? The day when he's no longer in the earth realm physically. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Nothing. Look at what he said. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask, what? The Father in my name, he will give it to you. So in other words, I got to make sure that I'm praying right. In other words, Jesus says, when I leave this earth, you don't pray to me. You pray to my father. While I'm here in the earth, when I'm with you, you asking me stuff. Amen. Yes. But in that day, when I'm gone, don't you ask me. You pray to the father in my name. Is that right? So if I'm praying, if I'm going to have impact, I got to learn how to pray the right way. Pray to the father in the name of whom? All right. Y'all with me now? So let's get, go, go back to Ephesians, the third chapter. So everybody clear on that? So if you've been praying to Jesus, stop it. Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Right? Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, where is Jesus seated, y'all? He's seated on the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing every day? He's interceding on our behalf. He's going to the Father on our behalf. Say, yeah, he messed up, but he, he, he belongs to you, God. My blood covered that. My blood covered that. God, my blood covered that. I know there may be a time when you come to God, but you got to bring chastisement because whom the Lord loves, he chases him. But God, he belongs to you. My blood covered that. Aren't you glad his blood covered that? Aren't you glad it covered your cussing? Aren't you glad it covered your wrongdoing? It's not an excuse. Come on now. Because if you keep on, God's going to whip you if you belong to him. But his blood washes away my sins. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Now get back to Ephesians 3 chapter. Go, go to verse 16. Ephesians 3 verse 16. So this, he, he instructs them to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Because if, we're gonna have, if our prayers are going to have impact, we have to learn to pray the right way. Guys, how, how many of you know that just having a good heart is not enough? Because first of all, your heart ain't that good. Can I talk to you? First of all, none of us, our heart is that good. But Pastor, what are you talking about? I know people that have a good heart. Well, let me tell you, let me ask you this. Why does the Bible say out of the heart flows this wicked stuff? Adultery, fornication, lying, cheating, stealing. Being a low-down person, I'm just paraphrasing in Doyle Adams' terms, but it says out of our heart flows all that stuff. Jesus even said this. He says, and we get all enamored with what people put into the body. He said, it's not what, what, what you put in your body that defiles you. Huh? Because he said, here's what he said. He says, and I'm, I don't have time to go there, but check me out. You Bible says know I'm right about it. He says, it's not what you put in that defiles you because everything you put in your body at some point in time, guess what? It's coming out. It's flushing out. How many of y'all go to the bathroom? 
Everybody go to the bathroom? Don't look at me like that. Everybody go to the bathroom, right? You're either number one or you're number two. You go to the bathroom because your body is biologically designed to flush out that stuff that, that, that's not needed. It's called what? Waste. Amen? So Jesus said, it's not what goes in you that defiles you. We get hung up on, well, they ate this kind of meat, this, that, that, un, that kind of meat is unclean and all that. Jesus said, that don't even matter because that stuff will come out of you. But it's what comes uh, 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 out of your heart. That's, that's what defiles you. We get all in there about how you dress. Well, this woman, she wore pants or, or her hair was cut or, or uh, uh, he, he was dressed this way. It's not how you dress that defiles you. Because you can dress good and look nice in church, but your heart nasty. And it's what comes out of your heart that messes you up. We get all caught up on how people look on the outside. Now, you ought to dress in moderation. Come on now. But, but, but don't, get, don't get it twisted. It's not the stuff that we're doing on the outside that defiles us. It's what's coming out of our hearts. And Jesus said it's that wicked, all that stuff, adultery, lying, cheating, uh, you know, wickedness, all that stuff comes out of the heart. That's why we got to start on the inside. It's an inside-out job. Everybody say inside-out. Now watch it, watch it, watch it. Okay, so look at this petition. There, there are four requests in Paul's prayer here, but, but, they, but, but you can't look at them in isolation. Uh, you, 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 you can't, they can't be looked on as, as an isolated individual petition. There, there are four requests. They're, they're more like they extend from each other. Look at what the text says here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, third chapter, I'm sorry. Ephesians 3, look at verse number 16 with me. Everybody say impact. Impact, impact. We got to have impact. Verse 16 says what? That he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in what? The inner man. Read it one more time. That he will grant you according to, huh? The riches what? Of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now watch this. Watch this. Listen together. I've shared this before and I'll share it with you again. It's amazing to me that we spend a considerable amount of time working on our outer man. We spend a considerable amount of money making sure that our outward man looks presentable and appropriate, which there is nothing in the world wrong with that. We ought to try to look our very best, right? Because people usually see the outside first, correct? And what we see on the outside will a lot of times determine how we approach a person. How you dress for a job interview will a lot of times tell that interviewer something about you right off the bat. But we spend a lot of time on the outward man trying to make it look pretty. But how many of us spend a considerable amount of time and monetary resources working on the inner man? How much money have you spent in the last year on material that's going to help you grow in your spirit man? How many of you were willing to invest money in a good study Bible, spend $200 on a good study Bible? That's too much for a Bible preacher. 
what we'll do is we'll get, we'll get the one that they give away in the hotel. <laughs> Put it in our luggage, take it home. And it's not a good study Bible. You need a Bible that has some resources that will take you into the context of the text. That can give you some understanding about the culture of that day because context rule in interpretation. If I don't know the context, then my understanding of the scripture text is going to be distorted because I will approach the text from a 21st century viewpoint. And that's what a lot of us do. We, t- we go to the Bible and we look at it through the lenses of how we grew up and where we are and what words mean today. We have to realize that it's important that we uh, get into the text, the context of the text, so that we can properly understand what God's word is saying to us. But most believers don't spend a lot of time working on internet. When's the last time you spent money going to a conference that was going to help you grow inwardly? Now we do it for everything else, right? Even, guys, listen to me carefully. Even most jobs, how many of y'all work in, in fields of study or did work in uh, 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 occupation that required you to have what they call continuing education? Anybody? Continue, and if you're in the military, y'all are, rather y'all are constantly going places in training, right? You, you, you're equipping yourself because you, know, you never know when the call is going to come to go to war. So you don't, you don't get ready for war when the call comes. You got to constantly train. You got to constantly go do war games and get yourselves prepared for when that time comes, you're ready to fight. Many of us, amen, sit in church and we're illy prepared for the fight that's coming our way. I thank God uh, just just for for vision and knowing that that it's important for us to equip ourselves. Uh, Again, when I think about the challenges that some of the members in this church have faced. And I thank God that, that, that you were equipping yourself for the challenges that come my way. I, all through that series on do you really care, I kept saying, I kept repeating that, you know, we need to position ourselves so that we can minister to people who when they go through their times of test and turmoil so that, so that we can be there to show that we really do care about them because at the time when people are going through something, they're most, they're most apt to hear word that's coming from God. But I thank God for you all who faced these challenges and you, you prepared yourself and you, didn't, you wasn't blown away by it. I mean, many of y'all, just like Sister Marrera, Brother, uh, brother Godless, Sister, Sister Regina, are facing some, some, some difficult health issues, but those health issues aren't going to throw them away aren't going to knock them off course. They're going to stand strong in faith and believe and trust that if God brought me to it, he'll see me through it. And we have to be, guys, we're not just preaching this stuff just so we can hear it. Whatever words you get is going to be put to the test. It's easy to shout amen when everything's going good. Hello? Hello? It's easy to dance and shout and talk about the Lord is good when you're not facing anything. But what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when when something comes upon you unexpectedly? How do you stand? Amen? We stand strong when we have our inner man strengthened. Look at what he says, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened, what? With might by his spirit in the inner man. So, so Paul here, Paul, go to the next verse, 
uh, 17 with the right. It says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded, what? In love, verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, verse number 19, and to what? And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, Paul's, Paul's praying here for spiritual growth and inner strength for these believers here. Now, now, now I'm going to read to you from the NLT. Go to verse 16 from NLT right quick. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Do you guys realize that, that the early church didn't have significant impact until after the day of Pentecost? The early church was not known as a group that changed the culture or changed the generation until after Pentecost. Why was that? Well, because that was the promised power source that God, Jesus Christ, had told his disciples, you go and tarry in Jerusalem, wait there until you be endued with power where? From on high. Many of us in here make the mistake of trying to receive power based on our education, based on our jobs based on the family that we came through. Guys, let me tell you something. Family, job, education, all this stuff is well fine and good in its place, but we got to learn how to depend on the power source. Listen, it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be able to have significant impact in the community and in the places of influence by which we operate. It's the Holy Spirit. He says here, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. How? Through his spirit. Verse 17, then Christ will make his home where? In your hearts as you trust him. Christ will make his home where? In your heart because it, he needs to make his home there because what? guess what? There's a bunch of junk in our hearts. There is stuff inside of us that, that needs to be called out in the presence of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Christ in our hearts helps us to get there. Look at the next verse. Verse number, it says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down in the, in, into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Guys, the love of God is so intense toward you and I that, that, that he, he gave his very best so that we could be in a, a close, intimate relationship with him. Don't ever make the mistake of believing what the enemy tells you when he says God don't care about you anymore. Don't ever make the mistake of, of swallowing that lie from the enemy that says God does not care. He absolutely cares about everything that's going on in your life. He loves you. He loves you intensely. He loves you beyond measure. It is an unconditional love. So, so again, so Paul here is praying for strength. Write this down. He's praying for strength, number one. Come on. He's praying for depth, number two. Number one, he's praying for what? Strength. Number two, he's praying for what? Number two, number three, he's praying for apprehension. 
apprehension. To app he wants to apprehend something. He's praying for apprehension. And lastly, he's praying, praying for fullness. Strength, depth, apprehension, and fullness. Look at verse 16 again, strength. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the life, in, in, in the life of a believer is evidence of salvation, right? But the power of the Spirit is enablement for Christian living. You can have the presence of the Holy Ghost when you get saved, but if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you won't have the power to overcome life's issues. See, many believers have the abiding presence of Holy Spirit, but they don't have the fulfilling or the filling of the Spirit. It's the filling of the Spirit that empowers us to live a victorious Christian life. Are y'all with me? So when I get saved, when I ask Christ to come into my heart to save me, I have the presence of the Holy Spirit. But that don't mean, that does not mean that I am filled with the Spirit. Presence, come on, equates to salvation because the Bible says if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not His. So if I'm saved, I have the presence, but I need some power. I don't know about you, but I need some power. There are some people in this life that you need the power of the Holy Ghost to help you to deal with. Do y'all know some? Are you one of those people? Are you one of those folks who, who people need the Holy Ghost to deal with you? Some, come on, some of us need to admit that we are difficult. Are you willing to admit that sometimes you can be difficult? Oh, well, let me ask some of the people who live with you, okay? Everybody in here who have people who you live with or you're close to that sometimes can be difficult. Let me see you raise your hand. Some of y'all scared, aren't you? Almost every hand went up that says that I have people in my life who I live with or am, I am close to that can be difficult sometimes, that can stretch your patience and get on your not, not just your nerve, you like you ain't got no more. That's the last one. I'm just going to die now because you're on that last nerve. We all have people who we deal with, and it takes the power of the Holy Spirit for us not to act like we don't know Jesus. Because I, I promise you, there have been times in the life of you as a believer, just like me, where I, I, I behaved in a manner that, that it, it didn't seem like I knew Jesus. Anybody in the house? And I, I, those are not moments that I'm proud of, and I'm sure you're not either. So I say, thank God for forgiveness. Say, thank God for the blood that washed my sins as far as the east from the west. The power of the Holy Spirit has to enable us to, during those times when we're dealing with difficult people in difficult, difficult situations. It gives us the strength. It's the power source. Acts 1 and 8 says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Jesus performed his ministry on the earth in the power of the Spirit. Go to Luke 4. Luke 4 and 1 with you right quick. Luke 4 and 1. So the question I have to ask is, if Jesus had to perform his earthly ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. What about you? Come on now. 
if, if Jesus had to, to, to move by way of Holy Ghost to do the things he did, what about you? Why is it that you believe and you think that your intellect is enough? See, pride will mess you up. Because in the body of Christ, there are some prideful people who depend on their, their intellect and their education and those type of things. Guys, get all the education you can get. I promise you, it can open doors for you. But never depend on that as the mechanism to get you into the proper place with God. Amen? And to to help you to live a victorious Christian life. Look at what this text says in Luke 4 and 1. It says, then Jesus, what? Full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And that, that's when we get into the part where he was tempted in the wilderness. But remember, Jesus was, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, uh, man, when he was baptized, after he was baptized in the Jordan River. Isn't it interesting and isn't it significant, wouldn't you think, that Jesus never performed one miracle until after he was filled with the Holy Ghost? Isn't it significant that his public ministry did not start until after he was empowered with the Spirit from on high? So why are we trying to do ministry in our own strength without the power of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit impacts us to be able to do great things in the body of Christ. So he prays for strength, and that strength Amen. Comes from the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts the tenth chapter, verse number thirty-eight. Acts chapter ten, verse number thirty-eight. Y'all still walking with me? Acts ten, verse number thirty-eight. Glory to God. Acts ten, verse number thirty-eight. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with what power? Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him until he was endued and anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. He did not go around doing this stuff. That's, that's a direct connection there. So if we as a church are going to have significant impact, if we're going to impact the culture in our community, we must get all of us in here filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just have the abiding presence. I know you say, but, but God says, I have a, my Holy Spirit, if you will yield yourself to his control, will empower you to do some supernatural things. If Jesus couldn't do it until the Holy Spirit was descended down upon him, what about us? Amen. So if he prays for strength. Everybody say strength, strength, strength. How many of y'all need some strength? Amen. The power of the spirit is given to us according to the riches of his glory. Christ returned to glory and sent the spirit from heaven to indwell and empower his people. So that's where our strength comes from. Amen. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Now he goes. The next thing I told you was what? The what? The depth. What? Okay. Depth. Depth. You know, Paul, Paul uses, guys, uses three pictures here to, to convey this idea of spiritual depth, depth. And the three pictures are hidden in the three words dwell, rooted, and ground. Go back to Ephesians. Dwell, everybody say dwell, rooted, and grounded. The verb dwell, dwell literally means to settle down and to feel at home to settle down and to feel at home. How many of y'all, uh, your home is your dwelling place? That's the place where you're most comfortable. 
let me see your hand. If, if your home is the place where you're most comfortable. And if it's not, we need to work on something, okay? When you're at home, again, you, you, you can, when, it's your dwelling place. When you're at home, you, 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 you walk around with no shoes on, right? How many of y'all go barefoot in the house? How many of y'all would go to somebody else's house and just kick your shoes off and show all your toes? Most places you wouldn't unless it's mama's house or something like that. But we fell at home, at home. It's our dwelling place, right? It's how, so so to, to, to dwell means, the verb to dwell mean literally to settle down and feel at home. Now certainly Christ was already resident in the hearts of the Ephesians or else Paul would not have addressed them as being saints over in one, Ephesians 1 and 1. What Paul is praying for is a deeper experience between Christ and his people. He yearns for Christ to settle down and feel at home in their hearts. Not a surface relationship, but an ever-deepening fellowship. God does not want, and Paul does not want these saints at Ephesus to have a surface relationship. I, I was sharing with the new members class this morning, you know, one of the things that, that we, uh, we harp on, and it's a part of, a, of the tenets of our new members class, is we want to cultivate an atmosphere where we have authentic community in this place. And when I say authentic community, that means that your, your connection to the body of believers here at church is not just a Sunday morning thing. See, if all you do is connect on Sunday mornings, you don't really have, you got a, a surface church relationship. Can I say it again? Look at me, all of you look at me now, okay? If you are a member of a church you need to seek authentic community. That means that community just, just means a gathering or a, a connection of people from different backgrounds, you know, from different places, but they come together on the common ground of Jesus Christ. When authentic community exists, that means that you and I can talk about what we need to talk about. That means you and I can address concerns and issues without it causing us to break fellowship and break community. If I can't talk to you about what I need to talk to you about, then we probably don't have, I'm not proud, we don't have authentic community. And so we're trying to develop that here. So he said, he says, he wants, he wants, he wants them to be, to, to settle down, to dwell, to feel at home, to have authentic community, to have a deeper relationship with each other. So dwell means literally to settle down and feel at home. The, the verb rooted means it means it moves into the, the plant world. It, it has the idea of a tree that's planted by the rivers of water and it roots run deep. Amen. It runs deep into the soil, soil so it can get nourishment and stability. So he wants them to dwell, in other words, which means to settle down and feel at home. He wants them to, to be rooted, in other words, to have some attachment. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be here today, gone tomorrow. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Paul is praying for their stability. How many of y'all know some Christians who are not stable? How many of y'all ain't stable? See, as your pastor, let me, let me, let me, let me share with you, as your pastor, I, I want you to become stable, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I don't want you here today, gone tomorrow. Here today, absent for two months, disengaged for another month, and then come back after the third month. 
As your pastor, I realize that authentic community cannot be developed if you're not rooted and grounded. And rooted and grounded means more than just coming to church, by the way. Thank God that you're here at church, but I want you to be rooted and grounded. I want, you, I want you to get to the point in your life where when you hear word and you see how word applies to your life, you jump on and say, I'm going to do what the word says do. I'm going to be like James said, don't be just hears of the word, but what? Do what's on it. So rooted means to be planted. And the last, it has to do with being, being, being rooted deep down like the roots of a tree. And the last word is grounded. Grounded is an agri-architectural term, which it refers to the foundations on which we build. Okay. And, and again, I remember when we were, when we were in the process of construction uh, uh, this building, they had, to, they had to dig down to get a good solid foundation to build upon. If the foundation is not solid, then the building will begin to crack and it'll begin to sway. I remember when I was working in banking, I shared with you years ago how it was. I remember seeing uh, that, that CNB Bank building, it's now Regions Bank Tower downtown where I used to work. I remember when they were building that place. And it looks like they went about two or three stories into the ground before they came up on top of the ground. Because they realized if you're going to build a 24-story tower, you've got to have a solid foundation. If you're going to build anything that's going to be strong and last and be able to withstand all of the winds and the, and, and, and the turmoil that comes, you've got to have a solid foundation. So everybody say, uh, uh, dwell, rooted, and grounded. That's what, that's what depth involves, amen. He talks about the depth of it. You got to, you got to, you got to dwell, you got to be rooted, and you got to be grounded. The, the, the third uh, thing was apprehension, right? The English word comprehend and apprehend both stem from the Latin word uh, prehundre, which means to grasp. If I want you to apprehend something, that means I want you to grasp it. He says, I want you to grasp what is, uh, what, what God has for you to apprehend. Our word comprehend carried the idea of mentally grasping something, while apprehend suggests laying hold of it for yourself. In other words, it's possible to understand something but not really make it your own. It's, it's possible to understand tithing but not, not tithe. It's possible to understand what loving your neighbor as yourself is but not really do it. He, he says, I want you to apprehend that. I want that to become a part of your life. And lastly, he, talk, he prays for fullness. Everybody say fullness. Fullness, uh, you know, he, he wants you to get the complete. He wants you to be filled with all the fullness of God's power in your life. And when that happens, it puts you in a position to where you can have kingdom impact in, this, in the world in which you live in. So Paul is praying for the saints at Ephesus, but, but by virtue of it being in the scripture, he's also praying for us that we have impact, that we have impact. And the way that impact is going to come is that we have to make sure that we submit ourselves to God's word on a regular basis, take that word, apply it to our lives, and make sure that we are solid, real rooted, we have the strength, uh, that we are we're, we're in a position where we are, 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 are into a depth position where we are solid, then we are apprehending the things of God and we're walking in the fullness of God's power. It's not our power, but it's his power. He gave it to us so that we could be his worthy vessels here in the earth realm, have an impact, kingdom impact, wherever we live. I don't care what's going on in your life, realize God saved you to have impact. Starting with your family, and spreading abroad. 
He wants you to have impact. And he prays for that. He prays for us to be a, a people who will be able to carry Christ's name throughout this world. I pray that EBC becomes their church that's known as an impactful church. Can I get a witness? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this time.